Section 3 of Dwarf Fruit Trees. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ian Bradford, Nungunungataha, Pew. Dwarf Fruit Trees by Frank Albert Waugh. 3. Propagation. The propagation of dwarf fruit trees is in some sense a more critical and interesting problem than the propagation of ordinary nursery stock. The successful production of a dwarf fruit tree depends primarily on its propagation. The section of stocks for dwarfing purposes is necessarily a complicated matter. Under the terms of the problem it is impossible that the stock and the scion which are wedded together should be very closely related. The stock must be distinctly different and pronouncedly dwarfier in his habit of growth. It is not always an easy matter to find a stock which is thus distinctly different from the tree which it is desired to grow, and which will at the same time form with it a vigorous and long-lived union. It is necessary further that the propagation can be carried out with ease and with a fair degree of success in commercial nurseries. If difficult methods of grafting are required, or if only a small stand of nursery trees can be secured, the undertaking becomes too expensive from the nurseryman's point of view. The methods of propagating dwarf trees are for the most part the same as those used in reproducing the same kinds of fruit on standard stocks. As a matter of fact, nearly all dwarf trees are propagated by budding. Apples, pears, and plums can be readily grafted, but budding is simpler, speedier, and usually the cheaper process in the nursery. In the upper Mississippi Valley, where plums are somewhat extensively worked on Americana plum roots, grafting is rather common. The side graft and the whip graft are the forms most used. The theory of the production of a dwarf fruit tree by the restraining of its growth has already been mentioned in another chapter. The dwarf stock simply supplies less food than is required for the normal growth of the variety under propagation, and the tree is, in a sense, starved or stunted into its dwarfed stature. As the selection of proper stocks, the adaptation of stock to scion, is one of the fundamental problems in dwarf fruit growing, we may now address ourselves to that. We will take up the different classes of fruit in order. The Apple Everyone who has observed the wild or native apples which grow in New England pastures must frequently have noticed certain dwarf and slow-growing specimens. It is not difficult to find such which do not reach a height of five feet in ten years of unobstructed growth. If the scions of ordinary varieties of apples like greening and wine sap should be grafted upon these stalks, the result would be a dwarf greening or wine sap. If these dwarf wild apples could be produced with certainty and at a low price, they would furnish a source of supply for dwarf apple stalks. The paradise apple so-called, figure seven, is simply one of these dwarf varieties which can be reproduced freely and cheaply. Figure 7. Paradise apple stalks in early spring. Photograph of two unplanted apple stalks, each a single slender switch-like branch with a few leaves at the top and a small root ball at the base. This reproduction is secured nearly always by means of mound layerage. As the varieties do not come true to seed, any more than such varieties as King or Hubbardston do. Some such method of propagation is necessary. This paradise apple is naturally inclined to stool out somewhat from the roots. This habit is encouraged by cutting the plants back to the ground. When the young shoots are thrown up, 
they are banked up with a hoe or by plowing furrows up against the rows of plants. The young shoots then form roots at the base, and these rooted shoots, or layers, are removed when one year old. They are then planted in nursery rows in the spring, where they are usually budded the following July or August. These paradise stocks are largely grown in France. Practically all the supply comes from that country. The nurserymen who grow dwarf apple trees in America import their stocks from France during the winter, plant them in nursery rows early in the spring, bud the stocks the following July or August, and have the dwarf apple trees for sale the second year following. This paradise is the dwarfest stock known for apples. Its effect on nearly all varieties is very marked, causing them to form very small trees and to bear very early. Some of the more vigorous varieties, like Northern Spy, for instance, do not submit kindly to such treatment. For this, or possibly for more recondite reasons, a few varieties do not succeed well on paradise roots. The writer would be glad to give a list of such varieties which are not adapted to paradise stock, but confesses he is unable to do so. The Docin stock is simply another variety of dwarf apple. It is more vigorous and larger growing than the paradise, and therefore produces a tree when ordinary varieties are grafted upon it, about midway in size between the ordinary standard apple and the same variety growing upon paradise. This docin is sometimes called the English or broad-leaved paradise, but the name is misleading. It will be well to remember this in buying stocks or in buying trees in England. Dwarf apples are largely propagated in England, but the trees which are said to be on paradise roots are often on docin. This confusion comes about from the Englishman's habit of calling docin the broad-leaved paradise. The docin is perhaps better for the free-growing bush-form trees, especially where excessive dwarfing is not needed. For orchard planting in the United States, this docin stock would be likely to suit many growers better than paradise. For trees which are to be kept within very narrow bounds, or those which are to be trained in particular forms, the paradise stock is better. For all sorts of cord on apple trees, the paradise is essential, the pear. Dwarf pears are always propagated on quince roots. Any kind of a quince may be used as a stock for pears, but the one commonly employed by nurserymen is the Angers quince, named after Angers, France, from which place the supply largely comes. Almost all the quince stock used by nurserymen in America are imported from France. As in dealing with apple stocks, the importation is made during the winter. The stocks are planted in nursery rows in the early spring and are usually budded in July or August of the same year. A few varieties of pears do not make good unions with the quince. In some cases, this antipathy is overcome by the expedient of double working. The quince root is first budded with some variety which unites well with it. After the pear scion has grown for one year, the refractory variety is budded upon this pear shoot. The complete tree, when it leaves the nursery, consists of three pieces. A quince root below, a pear top above, and a short section of only one or two inches in length of some other variety of pear which simply holds together the two essential parts of the tree. This practice of double working is sometimes undertaken with other kinds of fruit for special purposes. There are no other cases, however, in which it becomes a generally recognized commercial practice. The peach. The peach is dwarfed by budding it upon any kind of plum root, especially upon the smaller growing species of plums. 
The stock most used is the ordinary myrobalan plum. This is simply because the myrobalan stock is commoner and cheaper. The St. Julian plum probably furnishes a better dwarfing stock for peaches, but it is more expensive and harder to work. The Americana plum, now somewhat largely grown for stocks in the states of the upper Mississippi Valley, furnishes a good dwarfing stock for the peach. According to the writer's experience, the Americana stock gives better results with peaches than either Myrobalan or St. Julian. It should be observed that this stock requires budding rather early in the season. The dwarf sand cherry, which is further discussed below under plums, also makes a good stock for peaches. As this stock is very dwarf, it produces the smallest possible peach tree. The peach scion rapidly overgrows the stock, and the tree can hardly be expected to be long-lived. The growth is vigorous and satisfactory during early years, however. I have not had the opportunity to determine how long peaches will live and thrive on this stock. Nectarines can be grown in dwarf form in exactly the same manner employed for peaches. The Plum In all the old books it is said that dwarf plum trees are secured by working on myrobalan stocks. This statement is hardly true according to our present standards, and is certainly far from satisfactory. This rule came into vogue at the time when only large-growing domestica plums were propagated in this country, and the stocks used were mostly either horse plums or myrobalan. The myrobalan stock does give a somewhat smaller tree than the old-fashioned horse plums, but this myrobalan stock has been for many years the one principally used for propagating all kinds of plums in America. It has come to be looked upon as a standard rather than a dwarf stock. When we think of dwarf trees, therefore, we expect to see something smaller than what will grow under ordinary circumstances on a myrobalan root. The Americana plum, already mentioned, is a first-rate stock in nearly all respects except that it cannot be bought so cheaply as a myrobalan. It is now grown to a considerable extent by nurserymen in Minnesota, Iowa, and the neighboring states. If grafted or budded early, all varieties of plums take well upon it. The trees on Americana roots make a good growth in the nursery and are easily transplanted. The tree produced on this stock is only moderately dwarf. Still, this dwarfing effect is always well marked, this result being shown by overgrowing of the scion. The top thus appears to outgrow the root, and such trees are apt to blow over during windstorms. Suitable precautions should be taken to guard against damage of this sort. Professor A. T. Irwin of Iowa writes on this subject as follows. Regarding the Americana as a plum stock, I would state that we are using it by the thousands out here. In fact, have quit using anything else. As a stock for the European and Japanese sorts, it does dwarf them, and the scion tends to outgrow the stock at the point of union, causing an enlargement. The union is also not very congenial, and they frequently break off on account of high winds. However, in my experience and observation, this is not the case when the Americana is used as a stock for Americana varieties. It does not dwarf the tree seriously, and the union is splendid. It is by all odds the best stock we have for plums, and since we do not grow anything but Americana varieties, it works first rate. It does tend to sprout some, though there is little trouble in this regard after the tree comes into bearing. Figure 8. The Western Sand Cherry. Prunus pumilia bessii. Photograph of unplanted stock showing bare roots. 
The sand cherry seems to be the dwarfing stock par excellence for the plum. This sand cherry is a heterogeneous species, or as some botanists think, it is three species ranging throughout the northern states from Maine to Colorado. The narrow-leaf upright form growing about five feet tall, known as Prunus pumilia, is found along the Atlantic coast. The broad-leafed dwarfer form known as Prunus pumilia bessii, or P. bessii, is found in the western states. Another rarer form of more irregular growth known as Prunus pumilia cuneata, or as P. cuneata, is found in the northern central states. Figure 9. Upright cordon plum, with buds set into the naked trunk. Photograph of a healthy planted cordon plum with string-wrapped grafted buds. All these different forms may be used for propagating plums or peaches. The western form, P. bessii, figure 8, is in some respects the best, producing the dwarfest and apparently the best trees. In our experience, however, nearly all varieties of plums and peaches give a better stand of trees when budded on P. pumilia. Prunus cuneata is inferior to the others. The eastern form of P. pumilia has another advantage from the standpoint of the nurseryman in that it is more easily propagated from cuttings. For the most part, the western sand cherry is propagated from seed. Both forms can be propagated from layers. Nursery Management Dwarf trees are managed in the nursery very much the same as standards of the same varieties. There are no special points to be observed except in the formation of the tops. Western New York nurserymen, who now grow the principal supply of dwarf apple and pear trees, have the custom of forming their nursery stock with high heads. That is, the heads are formed at a height of 18 inches to 3 feet from the ground. In this manner, the pattern is taken after the usual style of standard trees. This is quite wrong. Of course, some planters might like to have dwarf trees with trunks two or three feet tall, but the best form has a much shorter stem. At any rate, the buyer of dwarf trees ought to be at liberty to form the head within three or four inches of the ground if he so desires. This becomes very difficult if the tree is once pruned up to a height of two or three feet. In order that the planter may reach his own ideal perfectly in this matter, it is sometimes necessary to buy one-year-old trees, what English nurserymen call maidens. This, of course, enables the planter to form the head wherever he desires. End of three. Recording by Ian Bradford, Nunga Nunga Taha, Pugh.